Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. As always, I'm Alex Roy, here with my co-hosts, the authoritative and credible Kirsten Korosek from TechCrunch. Hello. Authoritative, as Author- always. Very authoritative. Um, and the merciless and incisive Edward Niedermeyer, author of Ludicrous, the unvarnished story of Tesla Motors. Um, some say the best book ever written about Tesla. Others, uh, the, the primary supplier of toilet paper, to Elon Musk's private homes. Homes. Uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction, Alex. <laughs> Always a pleasure to, to spend time with you. Today's guest is um, a, a friend to, to all of us, um, uh, an enemy to, to lies, uh, a revealer of, of many truths, um, the father, the godfather of micromobility, the founder of micromobility industries, Asimco on Twitter, Horace Dediu. Hello, Horace. Hello, everybody. Did you enjoy your introduction today? I, I cringe every time. He was rubbing <laughs> his eyes and sort of his head and that when you were doing that. I have been listening to your podcast during my very long commute mm. from New York to Pittsburgh, which I do twice a week in my electric Well, it's vehicle. Oliver I got to give credit. I mean, he's, he's really pushing the show now. It's, it's really great. Mm. Um, you did an episode where you talked about the history of, it was the relationship between uh, t- uh, trains and time. You remember that episode? Yeah, yeah. And that was really fascinating. I, I was I was unfamiliar with um, just how people told time or learned right. of the time, and and uh, its relationship to the expansion of trains and train infrastructure. That was well, one of the things about transportation. I'm not a transportation or mobility expert. I came out of computing and and, and software and 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 mobile phones. But one of the things that blew my mind thinking about this is how relation how the relationship to time is, but also the other thing is real estate. Turns out that time and real estate are are more or less the uh, the the consequences of improved transportation systems. And as humanity moves on, I mean, it's like we've re-engineered our lives and our working and our living spaces because of that. It's like really mind-blowing. You know, uh, the, f- the famous quote by Nietzsche, God is speed, time is the devil. <laughs> we all want more. We all that want is, more. That's Nietzsche for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so we're, we're here in, in Israel. Um, and uh, we're here for the, the Smart Mobility Summit. And, um, you know, we obviously, you know, the last time we were here, um, which was for another series of, of conferences, uh, was about 18 months ago, maybe a little bit more. And um, that was before sort of the arrival of uh, shared scooters here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been pretty interesting to see the difference. But um, I will say that I, at the time, it was my first time in Israel, and it was in May of 2018. And I was surprised at how many privately owned scooters there were. Um, and in being used in all sorts of fun ways, we saw a ton of people two people on a single scooter, but they were all privately owned. And the rumor at the time was that Bird was going to be coming. And now, of course, they're here along yep. with Lime. So, I mean, the big takeaway is that there's a lot more scooters on the road <laughs> right. Uh, right. Than, than ever before. But I'm sure that as someone who studies micromobility much closer, what else are, are, have you seen change in Israel in the past, let's say, 18 months or so when it comes to micromobility? Is it just about 
these two companies deploying mm-hmm. or are there other things happening? Well, it turns out, you know, if you study micromobility and all of its uh, facets, not just the shared scooter model, which is very popular in the U.S., but if you look at bikes and you look at um, e-bikes... Israel has actually been, uh, a, a, you know, a pioneer in many ways. It's kind of been an early adopter, and we've had, uh, you know, th- th- this is true of other technologies that became massive global hits. But Israel was sort of an early pioneer, but didn't actually build the businesses that ended up taking over. So let me give examples. One, uh, QR codes um, um, pioneered in the 90s here. Uh, we had uh, early early telephony or, or cellular telephony, uh, very popular here. Um, and, and, you know, uh, things like um, uh, cameras and, and um, uh, you know, imaging systems that, that came out of the security world. Uh, very popular for for that uh, early adoption phase here, and and actually e-bikes were were big here before they were big in Europe even. So I, I think that's one of the things that Israel is known for, as kind of being being a pioneer in, in adoption, but not necessarily taking the 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 step to becoming a dominant player in some of these business models which come from technology so i think it's it's something they're frustrated about right and and yeah it seems like particularly in micromobility the israel is fascinating it seems to me as a market um but but less less involved in the sort of supply side Right. Well, it, it, this is the paradox. It, in some ways, Japan is similar. Uh, we had in, in the mobile industry, we had mobile phone industry, we had something called the Galapagos syndrome applied to, to Japan. And I would, I would even venture to apply it to Israel as well. What does it mean? Galapagos means that you create an ecosystem, you create a sort of a, a vibrant uh, 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 interaction between, between um, market and, and supplier and it, it takes off. So, for example, in, in the case of early internet mobility, we had something called iMode in Japan. Um, and and what, what that led to is these Japanese consumer electronics companies making phones and making internet phones and internet uh, mobility happen, but they didn't participate in the second or third waves that followed, which were either led by Europe um, with uh, with GPRS and then later with the US when we got to 3G and the iPhone and this is mostly in the software side but the interesting thing about Israel is that we again we see similar rep, you know rep, repetition of the early pioneer but not the uh, late developer and and it's it's interesting what what I'm asking myself is what what's unique about Israel as as a, as the home to these early technologies and I think part of it has to do with the sort of the for lack of a better word the military industrial complex that exists here because there are a lot of smart people that are working in technologies that are close to military applications if you will but very pragmatic and whereas the US military industrial complex is very far removed from commercial value here it's much closer, and so you have a, a great turnover between both intelligence and, and and military, and those people going into into business, and they tend to de- take those pioneering technologies and put them to use, but 
then they have to transition to finding markets and finding markets out of, outside of Israel because Israel is only a few million people. So then the question is, there's actually a cottage industry of sort of taking uh, startups from Israel to the U.S., and 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 there's a whole process. Is it not just in 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 tech, but it's in in bio uh, uh, biochemistry and other uh, sort of biosciences, and and then you have uh, medical as well. So th there's a lot going on that's really interesting. R and D, pure R, less D, and now seeing that happen. Anyway, this is sort of a macro view because uh, I ask myself why this happens over and over again. Yeah. Do you see that? attempts in Israel to change that and actually continue to be that follow-on and development? Yeah. Is there an effort underway? Yeah, so this is part of the summit, actually, where we're at today. So a lot of the things that, that government and industry are doing here is to create these associations and linkages between Israeli companies. I'm told that there's over 400, maybe it could be 600, automotive startups or mobility startups, maybe to be more general, in Israel, and then there's an association that's, that is promoting them now to uh, global capital and to global markets, and and so it, it's it's a bit paradoxical that you know we have this great innovation center and not always following through, um, and and it's kind of like they want to be the next sort of the next Silicon Valley. By the way, there's a lot of big names here from tech, right? Obviously, you know, the Intels and the, you know, the automotive giants are all here as well. So uh, for R&D, pure R&D, but these are big company R&D. From the startup point of view, that's where, where I'm, I'm sort of scratching my head as, as to what we'll see in, uh, in mobility. Yeah, I mean... Uh oh, well, I was going to say, one thing we have seen is major Western and um, Asian companies, OEMs, coming here and setting up either incubators or some kind automotive OEMs. Yeah, yeah, specifically, sure. yeah. And um, you know, I, I I know that there was a presence here a few years ago, but at least in the last eighteen months, it seems like that's accelerated. Everyone seems to have set up some sort of either accelerator program, incubator, or venture arm specifically here, hunting for these startups. And I think that that's where that linkage is coming in. It, it every startup we spoke with uh, last year. They, first of all, many of them had a, had met in the military, so there was absolutely that, what you described, um, and this sort of pragmatic vision of taking what they had researched or found and, and applying it to automotive. But every single one of them, their biggest issue was, well, the market here is very small. So they had to go global. And, I'm, and I don't know if they've all solved the way to do that. Um, right, right. Well, which is an interesting thing because there are two things to innovation. One is what we think of as invention or making a technical breakthrough. Um, and that has many, many, many nuances and, and facets. But then, then the next thing is innovation in terms of business models and like figuring out how to make money. Let's take an example, simple one, Google. Google technically as an invention is the idea of, of indexing the internet and allowing rapid search. Which is, which is a process called information retrieval that predates Google. They sort of optimize it for the internet as opposed for full text. But then the business model of auctioning off keywords, now that was an amazing, almost as big a deal as, as the actual technical achievement and, or search or, or, or you know, the ranking algorithm really for search that depends on the uh, Google's really you know magic or, or special sauce was to to use links 
to to improve the the sort of the or to 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 sort the 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 hits what what they did though was to acquire the idea to make money from selling keywords now the interesting thing for micromobility and if i may just take that aspect of mobility for a moment um it wasn't so much inventing a scooter or inventing electric motors or inventing GPS receivers at a certain cost. All these things were on the shelf. They all existed maybe years years earlier. And so we have um, what I always say is this four or five enablers to micromobility, the smartphone the, and the cellular network. Uh, GPS and GIS um, and uh, electric motors and lithium batteries. So these are these are the things that that have or small electric motors, I should say, not you know the the ones that we see in scooters or or drones or things like that that have been miniaturized back in the last decade or so. So what we have is these enablers, but then putting them together and say, what do you get? Well, you get well, you could get a hoverboard, you could get a Segway. But it turns out those were not the business models. You get an e-bike too. Again, good business, but not great business. The question is putting them together and then saying, okay, putting these on the street and letting them be shared. Now, that was the, that was the leap that was necessary, which, by the way, the bike people were doing, but they were using docks. They were not using free-floating. Free and, then, and then even free-floating, like if you did it with regular bikes, maybe it wouldn't take off the way they did in China. It did take off in China, but it didn't go elsewhere because they were not easy enough to use, perhaps, for, for other people. And so you end up with scooters, which was really the, the resonant frequency putting all these things together. Now, what Israel would be good at, and I would you know, venture just hearing the buzz around the floor here, it'd be like, you know, like millimeter wave radar. And they would sort of like maybe crack the LiDAR problem. Maybe. I'm not saying they will. But they could crack that or they could crack some sort of imaging and AI, AI technology that, you know, has to do with cameras in cars, you know, so, so the way uh, mobilized uh, it, exactly. So although, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing. So you, 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 when you think about that and you solve that puzzle, but then the business model and that business model, also there's innovation. There's innovation certainly with, with respect to maybe figuring out ways of, of sharing these resources um, but the market is too small fundamentally for them to really go out and try and fix, you know, and solve it on a grand scale. It, it's also, by the way, just one more thing for those who haven't visited. Israel is very small physically as a, as a, as a place. Um, and, and, you know, you can go, you know, across the country, literally like east to west in like an hour and a half. Um, so, so you, you can't get to these mega problems of, of mobility really by testing them here necessarily. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. No, I, yeah. Uh, what is just to pull back and look at the global market in your expertise, what are the a handful, one or two cities in the world that are have really nailed micromobility, or at least are on the way, the most advanced as we see it. And how do those compare to what you see here in Tel Aviv? It's an interesting question uh, because I, you know, I, I've done my own analysis of the markets of cities. If you if you think of micro as being a city market, there's 1,680 cities in the world that are above 300,000 people. That number as of 2018, and then so um, um, that's a pretty big number, and it's hard to get your head around 1,600 cities and try to characterize them. And and um, 
So my, my answer is going to be very anecdotal. It's not a truly analytical answer. Um, but, but I think the cities that have made major progress um, are, first of all, Amsterdam, known for its bike, bike culture. Copenhagen, that sort of really took the same approach and expanded it, although it's not as it's not as small, so, so that, you know, Copenhagen has rethought a lot of the infrastructure. Um, Berlin is doing an amazing job uh, at being agnostic about multiple modes right now. So, and that only happened this year because Berlin went from strictly bikes to bike sharing to bike plus scooter sharing uh, and car sharing, which is huge there. We just had a conference there. So it was mind-blowing to see how many there... You would need three iPhone screens to to scan all the apps that are related to micromobility in Berlin alone. So you know, thirty plus. Um, so so yeah, I think in that context, uh, Europe is leading. All these are examples in Europe. In in Israel, though, it's kind of a very ad hoc. There's a lot more personal owned micro here, um, and then we have we have a very kind of almost. Um, uh, almost chaotic environment for for mobility in general. There seems to be a lot of rules and rule breaking going on. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is actually one. Of, this is only our second time here, but like one of the things that we've always noticed and we always talk about when we're here is like this mismatch between the fact that this is this amazingly vibrant uh, startup culture and it's just in the air here and there's so many things happening and particularly in the mobility space and yet you know one of the most common mobility innovations you know recently has been you know app-based ride hailing and uh here in israel yeah. uh, it is not good it, it is it, not the contrast right between some of the other innovation and that exactly and and what struck me is so because this last time we were here there wasn't shared scooters um and we had some challenges because like a lot of we were pretty much dependent we didn't have a rental car we we were dependent on on, on app based ride hailing and and had some bad experiences and this time since we've been here uh, i've actually ended up taking a scooter twice and it's been amazing i mean it's just yeah. hands down the best way to get around in the city yep. i think as a as a someone who doesn't spend a lot right. of time I here i mean if you're dealing with only a couple of miles it's a perfect solution and uh, as long as you know you know to navigate some of the rough roads as well yeah um yeah, so that, that's the thing about it. a lot of these countries, like even Japan, highly regulated in many ways, and yet and yet highly innovative. Uh, and you end up with again the Galapagos ideas that like it's a unique ecosystem, only evolves locally. And actually, it's very one of the corollary of of, of uh, Galapagos is that they're very susceptible to invasive invasive species. Mm -hmm. So if you bring something from outside in, it can really decimate the locals. Yeah. And that's what happened with iPhone, by the way, in Japan is it, it really decimated the local CE companies. And so potentially now we're seeing. Bird, which is an American innovation, if you will, uh, and Lime also coming to Israel and being quite successful here. And it's, and the question is always like, again, why didn't an Israeli startup do that? Right. right. And I think the regulation would have been part of it. By the way, also very conscious of safety because so many people took up scooters early here and there were, of course, injuries. And then the government began to collect the data, which, of course, you, it's what you need to do. And then they began to put rules in place that said you need to be more careful about the age limits and all these other things. And that, I think, maybe scared off some people. But is, is this like a, um, a fundamental thing for micromobility uh, versus app-based ride hailing, where app-based ride hailing is competing with taxis, which are traditionally very highly regulated businesses with the, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, the, the, Kinds of lobbying, you know, bodies right. and stuff there, that come along with the entrenched political yeah, power. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, whereas with micromobility, it's it's something new, right? And so you're not, even though it's competing with these established powers. If there is an incumbent that you're fighting against, it's personal bikes that might be in use. Right. Number one, that that would be the case in Amsterdam, which actually makes make shared micro very rare and very almost uh, unwelcome in, my, in, in Amsterdam. Mm. And secondly, it's transit. Again, if you have a European city with 15 different ways to get around with public transit, as you do uh, actually in Europe, uh, then it's, it's hard to get a foothold. Um, and, and, and so one of the things about Israel, though, is that the public transit isn't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and number two is that although they were personal bikes, everybody was afraid of theft. And this is why you kind of find your niche that way and you right. get the foothold market. But um, and the, the, this is the, the challenge for any entrepreneur is to actually place their initial startup in a location that happens to have not too many natural enemies, no, not so many predators ready to eat you alive. And this is why it may be a good idea, but you launch it in the wrong place and, and you end up coming away with the results of an experiment that says, wow, this does not work, but right. it may not just work there. And it could even be something like weather or like you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah. so the interesting thing, which I always almost I, I almost was was bemused by was the that lime or sorry bird launched in Santa Monica, California, which is like. Um, from a cycling point of view, it's kind of, yeah, easiest place to launch. You have decent roads, you have, um, be- you know, beautiful weather, um, and, and the natural sort of boardwalk area where people would use it for recreational purpose. But it felt, it felt almost like not a serious effort because of that. You know, you don't launch in paradise when you're trying to deliver utility. Nonetheless, that was a very smart move because it demonstrated that it was super popular there and they tried to replicate. And in fact, you have patchy results, but you do have some great results. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm wondering if looking at Israel and what could be a way for a company to be innovative without you know, being... The question earlier was, why didn't someone local create Bird, you know, and, and deploy that? But maybe the innovation is how to link all these different ways of getting around. Because that's the one yeah, piece yeah. where even in Berlin, you talked about, like, you could go through pages on your iPhone screen and seeing all the different car sharing options. And I know the government there has, uh, I think, launched an app called... Uh, Jelby or mm. Trappy or something there are, like that? These, these are in the realm of so-called MOS. So if you're right. not familiar with the term, it stands for mobility as a service. Right. And it's essentially what I call an aggregation where you are either combining transit, car share, taxi even, and micro, and you pay a subscription. Or if not, then you sort of have an easy on and off trans, you know, transfer. Um and and so the question has been in the micro world and mobility world is like is that role of aggregation going to be a third party or a fourth party, um, as it were? The, it's kind of a company like Moss Global, which is uh, based out of uh, Helsinki, that that promises to do this, or would it be the city itself, which stands usually um, as a gatekeeper? First of all, for entries. Secondly, it has influence on on transit, and then it sort of has the bulk. If it's Europe, they have the bulk of already sort of mass transit, um, and so you use that as an anchor. So this has been an ongoing debate because if it is a third party, it could end up being a company like Google that actually aggregates because of maps. 
Right. So you and, suddenly and have discovery moving in right. this direction already. Exactly, and they are they are starting to layer on top of Google Maps Lime, which happens to be a GV company, mm-hmm. um, and GV meaning Google Ventures. Uh, and so you 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 see you see potentially this kind of like, and people get very anxious now yeah. that that. You, you suddenly have the onboarding process, the discovery process, it's very similar to apps, by the way. So, like, if you're going to have an iPhone app, you got to go to Apple for it. Um, so, would it be that if you have an Android phone, the go-to mobility solution is Google Maps? In which case, yeah, there will be others, of course, and you, you know, you do have alternatives, but it's the default settings right. that really drive eighty percent. So, so it's this worry that people have that that actually the big boys. Or girls in 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 uh, in, mob- in mobile phones might actually begin to impose uh, some of their flex some of their power uh, onto mobility because of their discovery potential. Um, so so it's it's an ongoing thing. But but yeah, there are smaller companies and there are cities right now trying to see we are the say we are the aggregators. Well, and I wonder if that's the opportunity here in in Israel, particularly based on the fact that like it's hard for companies to be. Um, to find a market here because it is such a small company, but maybe that's the opportunity, a very specific one, like the Galapagos effect you, you mentioned, mm. which is essentially that this is their own, this is unlike any other place, and creating some sort of innovation around connecting all of these pieces of mobility. Because mm. that, to me, is the big um, challenge. And anywhere you go is... Yeah. A, the discovery process is either by default or someone happens to be incredibly interested or they physically see something and then they investigate it. But it's very difficult to piece together a ride sometimes of or how you're going to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Or even just to compare what's the best option. Or what's the best option. And yep. and to me, it's always been like the the company or companies that master that and help. And maybe it's a city that's taking ownership of that and really is able to pull all the data show all the choices that you can see and offer the best one so that one company doesn't dominate that is the company the company that can do that is going to be you know it's going to be yeah, huge the, huge for them let, let me let me give you a scenario and i sort of like run two steps ahead on this story because i don't think we're even at the end of the potential here with with uh with mass and my 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 question is really let me let me let me put it this way if you look at the package delivery business and you say okay i'm going to post something either through regular mail or through a package service like ups uh, FedEx, or, or FedEx, and DHL, yeah. and they all, all all have different sort of uh, they all have different quality of service. So they, they'll say, "Well, is it overnight, or is it two day, or is it three day, or is it, or is it uh, random days, or is it you know uh, how big is the package? How how much does it weigh? Do you want insurance? There's all of these options you have, and then there are all these qualities you 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 can pay for." quality of service you can pay for and then once you ship it you don't care how it gets there you know it could end up on a truck it could end up on a on a on a on a container in a ship or 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 it could be flown over you 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 don't really know it depends they'll decide based on the quality question but we don't move people this way i don't say well i've got to be in paris next week uh, unless, by the way, I'm very wealthy, in which case I'll have an assistant take care of it. And by the way, a lot of technology is getting that service that wealthy people have for, 
taken for granted, making it accessible to everyone. Your own I mean, private imagine, driver. Yeah. yeah so, so ex- apart from the things you do every day, if you have a trip that's that's you have to work on to figure it out, look at the problems you have to. I mean, you're just getting here. You have to deal with the airport transfer. You have to deal with. Do I have a long over, uh, you know, do I have long uh, stays and delays? And some of that is taken care of by, by, by booking uh, your airline uh, ticket. But, but, then, but then the true service, a true service of transportation is end-to-end. And so what I really want is A to B and time C. So, or more importantly, it's like I got to be at, at place B at a certain time. So the proper way to deliver on that promise or on or, or my job, or my request, is to say... All right, I'll get you there for $500 guaranteed, like exactly on time or earlier. And if I fail, I'll give you double your money back. All right? There's that possibility. Why not have an auction then? Right. Why not have like 15, 15 bids? And in fact, in Google, imagine you're going to say, I, you know, you have your, your pin on the map and say, I want to get there. And then you get like, instead of right now saying five different options and you have to tab through each one, decide which one is feasible. And that only gets you to one point. Never mind trip chaining. Right. But then... Instead, it's just like saying, get me the best deal you can get. And then you'll see uh, a list, like a sorted ranking, and then you'll pick the one that, that you can, you're willing to pay for, that's got the, the quality you want. Or you just say, you know, I'm feeling lucky today, like it used to be in the Google, right? And then it'll give you the first bid. And then like a lot of people are insensitive to price when quality matters. So we're not there at all, not even close. Like, I, you know, and, and again, maybe because 90% of trips are routine and repetitive. Like you don't need a, a bidding system to go to church or to go to you shopping. But you do for international travel or travel. Right. Well, that's right? the question is I don't know personally how, what percentage of trips require some assembly required. You know, yeah. the, it, how many trips you have to really spend cycles and anxiety once you're in the trip, I for me that's like eighty percent of my trip, so that's why I feel the pain. But I, I, you know, I often ask, you know, the shipping industry, the logistics industry has worked on this for decades, and they use databases the and they use houses. clever systems. And the consumer model needs to be a bit more clever than that because there's comfort to take into account, there's psychology to take into account, and so and so. But once you do that, then you got positioning opportunities, you got all kinds of things. We are in kindergarten when it comes to figuring out true mobility for people as a service that it's truly uh, uh, you know digital and smart as, as this coming this, this is called smart mobility summit here we're at so what is smart about mobility well better than dumb mobility is all, all we can say right now um, and so I, I really wonder where whether a lot of these initiatives on sharing and hailing and and micro and electric and all these things, these are nothing more than enablers. These are pieces of a puzzle that's going to get built in the true solutions that people are really desiring. I just want to have a, uh, uh, you know, and the internet figured out, figured out file transfer, figured out search, figured out social, figured out uh, communication models that don't conform to picking up the phone and saying hello. Think about that. We're still in that early, early age of, of, of do-it-yourself transport. I'd like, sorry, real quick. I, I was going to say the one opportunity that I would hope 
and this maybe the next stage of going beyond enabling and really kind of thinking is putting a little intelligence in any of these apps. And I think of it not just international travel, but I'll I'll make one example um, or two. One on my day to day commute, a a level of intelligence in terms of changing weather conditions, the local festival that's going to shut down a road, um, you know, real time traffic, all that could be easily or maybe not easily but brought into those systems to make it a well yeah maybe your commute never changes that route but the conditions of that route change so there's that but then on the international travel side um last year when i was here um there just happened to be a jewish holiday and i had to dig into i don't know how many different websites to realize that i was really gonna have to rent a car because public transportation was going to shut down at certain times Mm -hmm. and so the amount of granted it was an international trip but that is an opportunity in you know looking at a train app to have that intelligence put in there on on a on something that is like you can plan in advance Absolutely. so that type of level of intelligence just i don't see yet in any right. of these well, mobility well, it's apps it's not and it's not like the intelligence you think about in terms of making cars have have self driving and you know we we need systems intelligence this is not right, not exactly. vehicle and by the way one thing we forgot to mention uh, shameful ways is one of these companies and guess what they're israeli right uh, and they got acquired by who by google and what did google do they're layering it into uh, uh, into maps so so there is a level of intelligence in there that is crowdsourcing a lot of data it was very clever uh, uh re redesigning your routing really around the job to be done which is i want to get there as quick as possible and it'll be you know i love the fact it tells you to take an exit and to get back on because like the the on and off ramps are actually a, a quick a quick way to sort of bypass a, a traffic jam. Um, it's almost cheating, actually. A lot of people get annoyed by ways because it seems to cheat the community by you know, rerouting traffic through it. But but you see that that's the kind of hacks we need to have. So yeah, I think we're very early days in truly intelligent transportation, and it's it's much more systems. And one of the reasons why it's systems are hard is because you got to get people talking to each other yeah. from disparate groups. That, that was actually what I wanted to ask you about on that. Um, like, th- there's a game theory problem to some extent in, the, in that everybody wants to be the platform, right? Like, the platforms are are where you know the the you know the Amazon, right? So like Uber talks about being the Amazon of mobility. Well. Uber's issue with that is that they also are a player in that. They're not just a platform. They're they're um, they're a, a service provider as well, in, in a sense. Um, and so, getting private companies to all agree that okay, this this platform, this player as the aggregator, like like they're going to be an honest dealer. They're not. They don't. They're not going to put their finger on the scale. Like to some extent, and I, I haven't seen this debate or like this this angle on the sort of cities versus private um, uh, as the ma- the mass platform, like to some extent, isn't the city's major advantage or, or the government of any kind's advantage that they can say, if you want to play in this space, in this physical space, you have to accept that yeah, we the are the The problem platform. with government, so that this be, if this becomes a B2G issue, the problem with government is that their alignments are not the same as business many times. So one of the things that governments are... Uh, are, so here's the problem. Let me let me try to even zoom out a bit. Companies implicitly and explicitly discriminate because they want to have their best customers and they don't want to serve everybody. They cannot serve everybody. Governments are exact opposite. They're 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 explicitly about providing 
the solution to everyone. And there's this problem inherent there where equity versus exclusivity, where, where as a result, you end up with, and many of the solutions that are quote unquote designed by, by government, uh, impl implicitly because they're part of the, the requirements process, is you end up with things which are effectively money losing, but beneficial to society. You know, that's fine. So, so it's, it, you have subsidy model. All transit systems typically are, 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 especially in the U.S., are money losing. Even bike share systems tend to be, if not money losing, then subsidized and, and, and then and they, sponsorships. Sponsored, yeah. exactly, which means that that's why it's city bike with an I and not a Y. It's Citibank that's paying a lot of money for that. So the the thing that one of the things that I'm I'm, I'm struggling with as sort of a proponent of micro mobilities to what degree where is this boundary layer between B to C versus B to G, and the G part is increasingly asserting itself. Um, everyone assumed in the beginning that they would be an, uh, an influence from government. By the way, don't ever believe that cars are without G. And I mean G is huge in cars. Um, it's just usually at a federal level, not a local level, although there are local influences, obviously, with parking and with, with uh, street design that influence everything about it. Um, but, yeah, this is the problem. And it, I think this is, the, the, again, the analytical question, someone observing and trying to predict this future, is to sort of see how these things, these, these, these um, feedback loops are going to play out with, with government. And I'm, I'm kind of watching it with apprehension because it, 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 there, there is now really a pushback from government in sort of wanting to be more involved. Yeah, so it's a sort of almost a question of uh, is... Is this form of mobility um, a service or a utility, right? Um, government sees it more as like a, as a public utility, right. and, and, and the and, private and, company sees it as a service yeah. to be competed on. So you cannot imagine a world which segments properly when you have a utility model. Segmentation, by the way, is is basically segregating customers, deciding on on who gets to pay more and who gets to pay less, or or by giving them product really it's 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 fundamental to the logic of of business that we don't but we have a different offering for everyone um and and governments tend to be well we want to basically equalize or redistribute in a, in a sort of negative way uh an asset and that asset might be you know transportation uh real estate in the form of roads and we want to make sure everybody gets a level amount of it but it also tends to be a lowest common denominator so you, you, you don't get the best experience uh, you get a good enough experience both are necessary I'm not saying one is good or bad I'm just saying that that will drive the development process that will drive the innovation process going forward and, and so interesting the, the history of automotive is how it's been able to sort of straddle these worlds and kind of push push in the in 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 you know back and forth uh, on this uh, question because we end up with luxury cars and we end up with sports cars but we also end up with utility we end up with buses all of these things are part of mobility yeah well um i always enjoy discussing this stuff with you so much unfortunately we do have to wrap up but um i just before we go uh you will be speaking i think uh tomorrow on the second day of the the summit uh, on a panel on micromobility, of course. Correct. Uh, I'm just curious, is there anything um, that you're specifically looking forward to, to discussing, um, you know, with this audience at this conference? 
Well, we have. We I, I want to hear the local stories uh, as always. We have uh, with us. We're going to have uh, Sea of Wind, which is a, a newcomer to mobile uh, uh, micro mobility. Also, Bird will be there, and the mayor, deputy mayor, I should say, of, of Tel Aviv. So we'll have a good panel. It's also chaired or are uh, no. Moderated by uh, Olaf Sackers from uh, Man of Mobility, which is a VC that is very active in in both micro and and other mobilities. And so, what I'm, I'm gonna, what I'm want to hear is again the local stories, um, how also cities are seeing the the uh, this uh, evolution, if not revolution, and and to to kind of try to. To hear, because I, I I build up a big picture from a lot of small pictures, and just want to get a lot of small pictures. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Horace, did you? Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat today. It's always uh, such a pleasure. And we should say that people can find you or keep up to date with everything through what way? So two ways. One is uh, I'm uh, at asymco, A-S-Y-M-C-O on Twitter, but also uh, Micromobility Co, at Micromobility Co, one word, uh, which is our uh, our micromobility uh, existence on, on Twitter. And that's driving our uh, our conference and podcast. Great. Thank you. 